You're listening to the midweek service from Harvest Bible Church. We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Pamela Butler. To learn more about us, please visit harvestbibleonline.org. Amen. Well, you know, tonight um, I was asked by Miss Marilyn to share a little bit about um, revival. As you can see, we did a lot of revival theme songs, and um, revival is probably the strongest passion on my heart. And then the next you would see is the apologetics that you've been getting on Sundays. Um, And I think it's because my heart is for the protection of who God is, and secondly, the display of who God is. And revival is really the display of God's glory on this earth. And, um, and so I'm going to, sh- I want to share, uh, share with you, um, some things that the Lord has used me in and, um, and, you know, and to talk about revival a little bit tonight, just to kind of get you, I mean, this is, this is the heart cry that Miss Ruth, you know, just did just a second ago is the cry of the father's heart. And, um, and we really never know how asleep we are or how hungry we are. Until, have, have you ever just been so hungry? You didn't even know you were that hungry until they put the food in front of you and the smell of it. It's like, oh my gosh, that smells so good. I didn't even know I was hungry. I don't know. Maybe you're not like me and Pastor Mark. We forget to eat. And so, because we get so busy. And then when you put that food in front of us, like, oh my gosh, that smells so good. And um, so anyway, so God's starting to put, he's going to put things in front of us that, man, you're going to get... I'm just praying Harvest Bible Church, we're going to get so hungry until we see God just open up these heavens above us and just pour out a blessing in this church. Amen. You know, um, I'm going to be talking about uh, the history in our area. And um, years, many years ago, I was born in Lodi, California. I didn't get very far from the tree, as you can see. <laughs> I am in Stockton now. And so that was a little jump. Thank the Lord. I did move over a little bit. But I was born in Lodi, California, and, um, you know, my parents uh, were pastors, and, um, and so uh, I've been raised in church. My uncle was a pastor, is a pastor. He is still a pastor. And, uh, but in the city of Lodi, I had uh, heard about history that had happened in the city of Lodi, and when I heard the, the story of it, it just something connected in my, and resonated in my spirit. And I had read a book, this was probably back in the late 1990s, I read a book called Redigging the Wells of Revival. And, um, and so when I read that book, and then I remembered the history of what had happened in Lodi, California, it just put a mandate in my spirit. And what it was, if for those of you who don't know the history, is back in the 20s, 1920. I believe it was, there was a, a, a man at the time, his name was Dr. Charles S. Price. And uh, Dr. Price was, when he came to Lodi, was, um, he was a graduate from um, Oxford uh, Seminary. He was very educated. He was, uh, had a, a, a degree in law. Um, and he had gone to a lot of exotic places like Egypt. And so he's a, he was a powerful orator. And when he came to the city of Lodi, um, it's now the location of where his church was is where the new Pietro's building is, you know, right there. And um, isn't that where Pietro's is? Oh, not Pietro's. I'm sorry. It's uh, Papavlos. Papavlos. Sorry. Papavlos. And, um, and so that used to be the original uh, congregational church. And he became the pastor of the congregational church in Lodi. 
And, um, and so when he came, um, he began to walk the streets, the businesses, and he, he was just a very an interesting man. And so the church actually packed out with new people coming to hear him speak because, like I said, he had a lot of great stories to tell and a lot of adventures. And he was actually getting ready to actually resign his pastorate because he felt he could make more money by becoming an entertainer and an orator back in the time. And so about this same time, there was a young woman who came to San Jose, California, and she was holding a, a, a revival, and her name was Amy Simple McPherson. And Amy Simple McPherson was, um, was having these amazing crusades. Thousands of people were coming to her crusades. People were getting saved, and they were getting healed. And she eventually started the Foursquare denomination that is still thriving to this day, and, um, and so some of Pastor Price's church was going to San Jose to see her. And so he actually was, uh, had printed up a whole message he was going to preach on the fallacy of healing ministries. And he sent the title to, to the Lodi New Sentinel to have them print it in the paper for the following Sunday. But before he was going to have it printed, he was going to go to her meeting. I Actually, it was in Fresno, not San Jose. I apologize. It was in Fresno. He was going to go to her meeting, and so he could refute it. Was it San Jose? I don't know. It's either San Jose or Fresno, okay? Um, so at any rate, he goes to the meeting, and when he gets there, he doesn't realize that this woman is very popular and it's packed out and the only place for him to sit is in the wheelchair section and he said it was very appropriate that he was put in the wheelchair section because he felt he realized later he was the most spiritually crippled of them all and there he sat in that section and he saw of course these miracles happening people getting healed and delivered and so he actually ran into a pastor friend of his and um, the pastor said, oh, Dr. Charles S. Price. And he's trying to go, shh, you know, I don't want no one to know I'm here. And um, he said, hey, you know, Dr. Price, I want you to come sit on the, you know, in the front row. And he's like, so the next day, he's like, okay, good. I can get a front row seat. I can see exactly what all the phoniness that's happening. And so unbeknownst to him, the front row was on the front row on the platform, and so right behind Amy Simple McPherson, and um, he and he, he begins to describe that evening that it was the first time in his life he ever heard the message of Jesus Christ brought to life. It's like all of a sudden the message of Jesus Christ and salvation became very real to him. And believe it or not, this man who was a pastor of a church in Lodi, California, gave his heart to Jesus that night. Yep. They don't teach to be born again in a lot of churches, believe it or not. And so he gave his heart to the Lord, and he got saved. And um, as his story goes on, he, you know, he's uh, asking, you know, in, in later services, he's asking for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And he's a very dignified man, you know. Um, and he said he was, you know, back there. He decided to go hide behind the piano, the grand piano, and to just pray and ask for the Holy Spirit. And he woke up basically on his back praying loudly in tongues and, um, and was filled with the, with the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Dr. Price, if you're not familiar with his ministry, was, is probably one of the big powerhouses of that generation. Um, Demas Shakarian talks about how um, his sister was, was terribly burned. I believe it was a car accident. She was covered just in horrible burns. And um, Demas Shakarian came and got Dr. Price, had him come to the hospital, 
and he simply prayed for her and new skin, she just turned pink and all this new skin started growing and she was instantly healed. So he was a, a just a powerful house. Um, he eventually, he worked with Amy later and then he began his own ministry where thousands upon thousands got saved. And um, so just, just a great, powerful man of God. So back in Lodi, he decides that he wants to bring Amy Simple McPherson to the city. And, um, and so he's telling his church about it, and they decide they have her, I believe, in December 28th, something like that. She came. The place was packed out. And so they decided to make a series of meetings with her, with her and it was in February of, of 1922. Ironically, it is 100 years this year ago that this happened. And the first, the first day of the first service was February 4th. Um, 1922. And, um, you know, history, I, I, I went back and researched all this. I went through the archives at the Lodi News Sentinel. I printed out every article I could find about the era, about what was happening every day, which I have this binder of all the articles. And um, really fascinating, you know. And uh, what happened was that, uh, well, okay, I wrote a book about that. <laughs> I wrote a little book about that. I'm trying to just tell them the story. But uh, I did, I wrote, well, I know I'm getting to, this is the vision. I'm getting to the vision. But, um, so, uh, you made me lose my track of mind. It was 1922, February 4th. They had the first meeting. And what they did is they built um, a temporary house, you know, a building, because they, there's no way that they could house the people. Um, because, like, 5,000 people were coming, you know, per day. It was, like, it was a huge event. We're talking Lodi back in the twenties. Okay. It was not like it was today. It was, you know, very rural. And, um, the arch, the Lodi arch was there and hotel Lodi, uh, the Lodi hotel was there. And that's where a lot of people were staying. So, um, anyway, there was this, this, you know, powerful revival. People were getting saved. People were coming in on the train. People were coming in from other States. Um, ironically in two and a half weeks into this revival, the influenza hits, and so the um, health, uh, the health people decided to shut down the revival um, because of uh, influenza. It's so ironic because we haven't really seen that since. And um, and I even have a document documentation where it says that they they made no bones about it that what they were trying to do was shut down the revival, and that. Um, because there is no, and, and other people were saying, there's no other city around that is shutting down meetings or anything, and, um, and they really wanted to shut down this, this revival. What's great is that like over 15 different pastors were on the platform in Lodi, California. There was a unity. Um, we're talking from Baptist, Presbyterian, Catholic, Methodist, Pentecostals. German Baptists, they were all there, and um, which was really amazing. And although they didn't agree all completely on the baptism of the Holy Spirit, they could agree that her message was all about salvation. That her that was the most biggest thing for her was to see people get saved. And so, um, and so this all happened. And um, the aftermath of it was, I, I want to read. I do want to read from this little booklet thing here. Is that it said? It said this. Um, 
The local newspaper on March 4th, 1922 said this, that Dr. Charles S. Price and a group of about 30 people from various churches in Lodi journeyed to Stockton Thursday night on a missionary endeavor. And the party held a religious meeting on the street of of Chinatown and then held a service in the open air on Hunter Square. Later in the evening, the local people went to the Pineal Mission Hall on Market Street where Dr. Price preached. The building was crowded to capacity and numbers of people were standing on the sidewalk during the service. Quite a number of Lodi people participated in the meetings that were held in the open air. Uh, They began... um, further down this this is pretty exciting too they began to hold prayer meetings okay so now amy's gone and the enemy tried to stomp out the revival but what happened is that instead of them congregating in the building and having church by them getting it forced shut down caused them to go out like wildfire and this is what you see happening and um it says in dr charles price's own biography he said that uh, quote, we, com- we commenced to hold meetings and multiplied the number of prayer services. The power of God commenced to fall and the prayer meetings grew from an attendance of 100, which would be fantastic, but it goes to 300 and that would be fantastic, but it jumps up to 500 people claiming still higher. They reached 1000 people in the church auditorium, and this was for a prayer meeting and the Sunday school rooms were filled with praying people. Instead of closing at half past nine, as been our custom before, he said the meetings would run on until the early hours of the morning. He said ministers came from as far distant as a hundred miles away regularly to attend these meetings. School children, and I love this part, listen to this, school children would break out during their classes in singing of hymns, and little groups of spirit-filled children would meet in the schoolyard and hold testimony services. The whole city was feeling the power of the revival, and it was not until high church authorities commenced to interfere that we felt led of the Lord to organize a separate and independent church. Basically, what happened is a congregational church shut him down, and they were tired of all the people coming to their church. (laughs) Help us, Lord. (laughs) Hey, but you know what? You may be, you know, you may be attached to that little chair you're sitting in tonight. You know, you may have been sitting there for years. A revival breaks out, someone going to be sitting in your chair. You know, what's your attitude going to be like? You know, come on, do it. Take my chair. I don't care. But it's interesting because, uh, and then it goes on to say that um, he started a group called the Lodi Gospel Team. And uh, it consisted of a thousand people and it was helped by the Salvation Army band and they met every Friday night and they had signs on their cars and they met under the Lodi Arch and they witnessed to the city the love of the Lord Jesus Christ and they went from there to Stockton, they went to San Francisco and so, um, it, and so this is, I, when I heard all this, it was like, wow, that's, that's amazing. And then the Lord really began to speak to my heart about um, about about vision and and this is I want to read to you what I actually wrote in the book and and the reason I wrote this book is um, is it, it I wrote it in two thousand and um, the Lord had put in my heart to start a a um, at the Lodi Hotel I was able to procure the banquet room and I brought my keyboard and I would do um, songs of revival if you have my cd take us higher that's where a lot of the songs i did a lot of the songs we did one of those songs tonight actually the songs i did tonight i did it 
during this prayer time. And it was songs to facilitate revival, songs to get you to think about what is it, what does revival sound like? Revival sounds like repentance. Revival sounds like God, you know, send the fire, you know, God, you know, um, and these these are the these are the sounds of what a revival cry sounds like and and so um, so I started this meeting the last Friday of each month. Uh, ironically, your pastor, who is now my husband, but it's kind of weird. We go and then we were married on February fourth. So and that's when the revival started. We just go, oh, it's so weird all these connections. But he actually got my book, and we couldn't remember how we got the book. But he had the book in his office from um, because what I did is I printed the book and I gave it to every pastor. I tried to get to every pastor in the Stockton Lodi area, and I wanted them to know what had happened in the city, in this region, and could we get together and pray for it to happen again? And so in Hosea, it says uh, Hosea chapter two verse one through three says this in the King James version: I will stand upon my watch. And set me upon the tower, and I will watch to see what he will say to me, and what I shall answer when I am reproved. And the Lord answered me, and he said, Write the vision, and make it plain upon tables, that he may run that readeth it. For the vision is yet for an appointed time, but the end it shall speak, and not lie. Though it tarry, wait for it, because it shall surely come, it will not tarry." And so this book, and this is this is what I, I, I want you, the reason why I want you to, to hear what I did is that we have to find out what we're supposed to do in our time, in our generation. One thing my husband and I, we, we try to do is we try to read a new book every night. And um, for the last few months, we've been reading books we read by Frank Bartleman. He was an uh, eyewitness of the Azusa Street Revival in 1906. We read a revival... Um, by um, uh, watch not um, not watch many, but the um, Lee ha- uh, Reese Howells. Uh, we read. Um, oh, we just we read a lot. We were talking about we were reading D.L. Moody, uh, just Tozier, yeah, Tozier, just different different sources. Um, the, also, the the one that was in Ireland or in oh my goodness, Evan Roberts. Yes, his that big one, and there was kind of connections. The Welsh Revival, thanks, baby. And, um, and so we were reading all this, and, and one thing that was really coming up that I had never seen before is that each generation is responsible for their generation. And somehow I just kind of always felt like, I always wondered why, like for Pete's sake, we have been sending missionaries how many times to Africa, and Africa still isn't safe for Jesus, that was my thought process. Like, when is Africa going to get saved? You know, <laughs> we keep sending people there and sending people. And, you know, and it's because there's new generations and God sends, uh, raises up people in each generation to do their part in their generation. And so we, we don't always carry on from the revivals of the past. We're not necessarily a part of it because that was their time and their generation. There is something now in our generation that we have to find hear the heart of God. God, how do I reach my generation? And this is, this is one reason why I, I feel so compelled to talk to you, of course, about what I've been preaching about the last two Sundays, is that one, the, the one key figure in our generation is, is you talk about a confused generation. They're confused about their gender. They're confused about their, you know, about 
gosh, there's just so many things they're confused about. And so, um, you know, their sexuality, they're confused about what a family looks like. They're confused about, you know, if they're a human or are they an animal? <laughs> what am I going to be today? I mean, there's such confusion. And so in our generation, I feel like what is so important is for us to know how to preach the gospel to them about who they are in Christ Jesus, for us to preach about you know, that God does exist. And at least this is where my heart is at. And, and, and I feel like in, in our time, we have to figure that out. We've got to know in our generation, God, what does revival look like? What is it that we need to cry out for God for? And so w- what I did back in 2000 is I wrote this little booklet. I put the vision out and I gave it to the pastors. And um, what is the guy that... Um, the 15 guy, Dutch Sheets, thank you. Um, so Dutch Sheets actually came to our city in 2000, and, um, and he, I gave him, I showed him this book because I believe he was the one that actually wrote, well, I know he's the one that wrote Redigging the Wells of Revival, and I shared this vision with him, and, um, and so, you know, I was excited because I, I could see that I was on target and then these songs. And so, um, and so this is what I was doing. And I knew, and even in my book, I say, I feel like this is phase one, presenting the vision. I knew it wasn't going to be the revival, but it was a phase. It was something to put it out there. And the thing that, the thing that my book even talks about is about lands. When God moves upon a land, it becomes a covenant land. When you see, um, you know, when Jacob, remember when he laid his head upon the rock, And then he had the vision of of heaven opened up and uh, the angels were ascending and descending. He says, you know, oh my goodness, I've seen, you know, I've seen the house of God. He named, he renamed that place Bethel, the house of God. And then again, when we find that he is wrestling with God in another place and it has another name for this area, he's wrestling with God and, and God changes his name, but he also changes the name of the land. And I believe it's called Peniel, which means the face of God. And so these lands became covenant lands that Israel always recognized because there was something that God did on those lands. They became lands of covenant. And I believe that when there are lands of covenant, when there is a land that God has done something, he's met with a man, he's, he's, he's wrestled with a man, he's, he's, he's made a covenant, that land becomes a covenant land and that we can forget about that covenant or we can wrestle for it. We can fight the enemy because the enemy doesn't want us to have what God has blessed us with. I mean, just like you see Israel had to go in and fight for their lands, that sometimes we have have to go in and we have to take what the enemy is trying to say is his and say, no, this is a land that God has given us. And so for us at Harvest Bible Church, our land is this whole region, San Joaquin Valley, because some of you are from, we're from Wallace or some from Lodi, from Stockton. Um, I don't know where else y'all are from. Elk Grove. I don't know. You're just like two minutes down the street. <laughs> um, but the, but this is this is the San Joaquin area, and this is this is a re, this is something that happened on our land. And the thing that you know, I, I don't have time to go into it in a lot of detail. But the thing is that there were promises given to Dr. Price. There were people, thousands of people, praying in that land for revival for this city and revival for this area. He didn't just stay in Lodi. He went to Stockton. He went to San Francisco. And, um, and they were praying for a move of God in this area. And some of that happened, but 
but it got stopped by the enemy. And, um, and so when we, when we look at that, we realize that, wait, this is a spiritual inheritance for us. And we can come alongside of the, our forefathers, our spiritual fathers and mothers, and we can begin to contend for the revival that belongs to us in this area. And so, and, and that's, and that's what was my vision was for even writing this at the time. Um, I, I want to share a, a couple other things. I, I don't have much time. Yikes. Um, th- when you talk about revival, I was, sh- I was sharing this with Miss Marilyn that, there's no formula for revival. I, you know, there's no a do this, you know, of course prayer is like, is there, you know, people pray, but there's no standard revival formula that we can repeat and copy and guarantee that we're going to have revival again. And, um, but in my study of histories of revivals, there's things that we can look at when we, when we see, when we study the past and there's three things I want to bring out to you is one is their theology, what were they preaching? And um, some two tops, the two tops for preaching for revivals is always the blood of Jesus. They were preaching about the blood. And one, they're preaching about the blood because they're preaching about the blood of people getting saved so you can get saved through Jesus Christ. So there was a lifting and an honoring of the teaching of the blood of Christ, of the cross of Jesus Christ. And secondly, there was always a lot of preaching focused on the Holy Spirit the fire of the Holy Spirit. And it's amazing that we had gotten away from the revival that happened in Acts chapter 2 for many years. We went into dark ages and people weren't even operating in in the Holy Spirit and the gifts of the Spirit until we saw in Azusa a huge outpour, which was known for the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So, um, and then a third one is repentance. There was a big big preaching on repentance and, um, you know, people getting heart, you're getting their hearts right with God. And, um, and so the theology was really important. So when you look at the history and you see the sermons that were being preached, you can see, um, a lot, you can learn a lot about what stimulated revival, what made their hearts turn. Well, one, the blood teaching on the blood, teaching on the Holy spirit and teaching on repentance. Um, The next thing you can see is you listen to their music. What was the songs about? And again, it goes right back to what I just said in the theology. It was songs about the blood. It was songs about the Holy Spirit. It was songs about wanting to know God. And, um, you know, there were, uh, if you study the the songs of it, you can, you can hear what their prayers were, what they were crying to God for. And, um, and I loved what I, and I love, I love what you did tonight. You know, what you, which, how you prayed, you know, because it's important that we get to that position of, you know, where we're weeping and crying. And, and I want to, I want to say that, um, that in Daniel chapter nine, um, you know, and again, I don't have, for sake of time, I, I can't go into, into all of this, but if you look in Daniel chapter nine, revival broke out for the children of Israel through Daniel because Daniel was reading the Bible And it actually says in Daniel chapter nine that Daniel says, while I was reading the book of Jeremiah, he noticed the times that it was time for the children of Israel to, to be released from captivity. And I want to say to you, Harvest Bible Church, that 
The number one way for us to recognize our season and our time is we've got to be in God's word because God's going to show us just like he did Daniel by reading our Bible. We're going to recognize our season. We're going to recognize what it is, God, that I'm supposed to be asking for. What is the prayer you want me to pray? Because God does nothing apart from humanity praying. He needs a human vessel to pray through. And I, I think I, I know maybe you remember me telling you this story, but when one time I was at home and I was on my knees and I was praying, and I'm like, I'm praying in tongues like crazy. I'm just going for it. And all of a sudden the Holy Spirit went, shh, 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 shh. And I was like, oh, okay. And so I, I just got quiet before the Lord. And he said, will you pray for God? And I was like, why is he sick? <laughs> God need my prayer. You know, I was like, you know, I was caught off guard by that statement. Would you pray for God? And I was like, okay, what does that mean? Holy spirit. And then all of a sudden I saw a vision and I saw the throne of God and I saw God sitting on the edge of his throne with his hands on holding the side and he's looking intently ahead. And he said, will you pray for me? I need to intervene. And, um, and it was just a few days later that 9-11 happened. And it was, you know, I, I tremble because I think, oh man, maybe if I had only known exactly what you were wanting me. And I didn't really understand where I, how I understand now that God needs people to pray. He needs us to pray and ask him to pray and or intervene. And so we, we, one thing that we do is we saw with Daniel as he was reading the word of God, he was reading the Bible, the prophet Jeremiah, and he recognized his time and he knew what to pray for because he saw it was a covenant season. It's time for the captivity to be set free. And we need to see in our word, you can never be an intercessor without the word of God. Because the, inner, the, the, the spirit of intercession is always based in the spirit of the word of God. It comes from where God's word is made known. And we pray the scripture. We pray by the spirit, the revelation he gives us by reading his word. And secondly, I'm going to leave you with this is in Nehemiah chapter 1. We find that Nehemiah, um, he, let me see if I can just turn there really quickly. In, in Nehemiah, he's, he's the cupbearer, remember? And, um, and he's, he's, he's there and he, he has a friend visit him, um, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, and Joe. I'm sorry, I'm trying to do my songs of the Bible here. <laughs> uh, there it is, Nehemiah, Esther, and you guys know that song? We sing it in kids' church and it really helps you when you don't know where the books of the Bible are. <laughs> but in uh, Nehemiah chapter one, he says, it says this, it says, um, in late autumn in the month of Kislev, in the 20th year of King Artaxes' reign, I was in the fortress of Susa. Han and I, one of my brothers, came to visit me with some other men who had just arrived from Judah. And I asked them about the Jews who had returned there from captiv- captivity and how things were going in Jerusalem. And they said to me, things are not going well for those who return to the province of Judah. They are in great trouble and in disgrace, and the wall of Jerusalem has been torn down, and the gates have been destroyed. Destroyed by fire. And when I heard this, I sat down and I wept. In fact, for days I mourned and fasted and prayed to God of heaven. And then I said, and then he begins this incredible prayer. And the key that I want you to get from this is that Nehemiah heard a need and it, and it moved his heart. And, and this is the key. Second number, the first one was that when I read the word of God, 
like Daniel, God will reveal to me a covenant season. And just like Nehemiah, we're going to begin to hear, we're going to begin to hear things, tragedies that are, are happening. And when you feel God move upon your heart, it's time for you to begin to intercede. It's time for you to get on your face before God, because you have power with God. Each one of you has power with God. And when we hear things, you know, it's so easy to get upset. It's so easy to try to get into the natural. But what God is needing for the church to do is become spiritual and, and do a spiritual thing, which is get in our face before God and pray. Amen. And, and it is eight o'clock. <laughs> and I barely got through anything, but that's okay. Um, but I want to encourage you because... Um, you know, we're, we're, we're a revival believing church. Amen. And, um, and so, um, I'll, I'll get these, these little books. I don't even have them made anymore, but I'll have to get some made so you can see it. So you can see our spiritual inheritance that we have here and, um, and that we can know and recognize God, what do you want me to do? What am I supposed to do? What is Harvest Bible? What is our, what is the plan that you the strategy that you have for us? And uh, we want to get out of these four walls, amen? We don't want to be locked in here and just get fat, like fat sheep. You know, God doesn't need no fat sheep. You know what happens to the fat sheep, don't you? They, they get barbecued, you know? <laughs> you don't want to be a fat sheep. You want, to, <laughs> you want to be, you know, taking what God gives you and taking it out to the world, amen? All right, well, God bless you. Do you want to close and close? Because you're, okay, well, I'll pray. But you can. <laughs> well, Father, I, I do thank you and I do praise you for your word. I praise you, Father, for what you're um, what you're doing in Harvest Bible Church, God. It's it's beautiful to see um, God the things that you're preparing for us as people. You're maturing us. You're strengthening us. You're giving us great insight. You're teaching us, God, to be listeners of the Spirit, to be discerners of the times. And God, I thank you for these beautiful people. I thank you for our Harvest Bible Church people, God. And I pray that, Holy Spirit, that you would just take hold of us and that you would just move us, that, that we would be like, like Nehemiah, God, that when we hear things, God, it would break us. And God, we would fall to our knees and that we would just have an audience with one with you. Open the word to us like Daniel, God, that we'd recognize our covenant seasons to know how to pray um, strategi- strategically, Father. We love you, we honor you, we worship you, and God, send revival and let it begin in me. Let it begin in each one of us in this room. And let Harvest Bible Church, God, be a lighthouse to our city that we might see Stockton, Lodi, all, the, all this area, Father San Joaquin Valley, come to, uh, to know Jesus Christ in a very powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray, amen, amen. All right, baby. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Yeah, she's passionate about those kind of things that are there. Hey, we're going to receive this evening's tithes and offerings and worship God with our giving. So if you need an envelope, you're right there in the seat pockets in front of you. Or if you're going to give online, know how to do that. Those of you that are watching online, you guys know all how to give. I actually did mine ahead of time, put it in here, so I'm good. So I didn't mess it all up. Hallelujah. And then we'll pray over this. Amen. You know, well, let me just, let's just do this and then I'll give some things. Heavenly Father, we just honor you and love you and thank you for the privilege we have to sow seeds 
into the kingdom of God. Lord, thank you for the privilege we have and the honor that it is because you do meet and supply all of our needs. You're such a great God. Lord, thank you for these wonderful people who believe in Harvest Bible Church and are just sowing and giving. And Lord, I thank you that you give back unto them good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Lord, we honor you for that. Thank you for it now. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen and amen. Ushers, go ahead. Let's receive this offering here. She's talking about prayer, revival, and all of that is because, you know, we have to pray. We have to get in. Prayer is what's going to do and and, and what's going to reach everything around us and getting ourselves ready to do that. And, you know, we've got a whole thing going about can you pray one hour? Can you just do that? And hooking up because we want 24 hours a day praying. We want people doing that. And I don't care if there's 100 people paying at the same hour. That would be an awesome thing to do. Amen? Hallelujah. Also, one thing that's going on now that if you don't know, and, and you need to go to our CAT website, and you need to take hold, because there, there's a thing called in Title IX, which all of us know about Title IX. It was uh, how to help girls uh, play sports, and it was also how to uh, get equality and all that. And, of course, now they're taking that to a whole other level to try to do away with everything and uh, uh, gender things and stuff. And it's so crazy what they're doing. And they're trying to do it without any kind of congressional uh, approval or anything. Everybody just thinks they can do anything they want now and try to push it off on you and make it legal. And uh, so it's, there's all kinds of crazy things that are going on. But you need to go and to see and you need to see Maryland or you need to go on our website because we need to let our Congress and everybody know, hey, listen, this is stupid. Okay. And the more we do, the more our voice gets heard. Amen. And don't think that your voice doesn't count because it counts. It does count. Amen. It does. You know, we sing a song here, the voice of one crying in the wilderness about John the Baptist. God always sought for a man. He always sought for a man to stand in the gap. Amen. God's desire is that to, for us to stand in the gap. And we're going to see revival. You know, we believe that with all of our, God's raising us up. God's caused us to be a voice. And uh, so we're believing for that. Amen. Also, let me just share with you, uh, this coming Sunday, uh, Brother Brian Heck's going to be ministering Sunday morning. Next Wednesday night, Brother Sam Cortez is going to be, be preaching here for you. And then the following Sunday after that, Cameron's going to be preaching for you. Uh, Cooper, he's our youth guy, he's going to be preaching. And then the following Wednesday, Brother Sam Bester's going to be ministering. Uh, we are going to be going to catch a plane right now. It's leaving here really quickly out of San Francisco, Sacramento, so we are going to take off shortly here and uh, drive down there and believe God we make our flight. And so, anyways, we're going to Florida. We're going to be praying for two weeks. I want you to pray for Pastor Pamela and myself. We're just going to be, uh, you know, we've got a tremendous blessing to be where we're at, but also God's going to do some things. We're preparing, we're preparing for the Sunday school, Sunday school curriculum that she's going to be getting ready to do, and we're going to implement into Harvest Bible Church because the beginning in October... Our first Sunday of October, our Sunday morning times change. We're going to be meeting at 1030 because we're going to be having Sunday school at 9 o'clock. So it's a whole different avenue, but praise God, God's going to do great things. Because if you show up at 10, we're going to have coffee and donuts and muffins all lined up. You're going to have a nice little cafe all down the out here in the front. It's going to be a blast. And uh, so we're doing a lot of new things, but we want to pray and we want to go and get what God has for our lives, even in a more direct things, because I want to bring this into 2023 if Jesus tarries. If he doesn't, who cares? We're going to be in heaven. Hallelujah. So if he breaks all of our plans, he, he can do that. Amen. Let's all stand up. I love you. God loves you. You guys are dismissed. Be blessed.